Hey there, everyone. This is Pastor Ryan from Mountain View. I just wanted to take a quick second and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We we hope that this message just fills your soul. It fills your heart. Uh, we pray that this message impacts your life in some way, shape, or form, and the gospel just changes you. So thank you so much for tuning in for the Mountain View podcast. We hope you enjoy. So uh, we're going to be going through Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, could you please turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. I have uh, had this verse in my heart for the last month or so, and I haven't been able to... Uh, I just keeps coming to my mind over and over and over again. And so I, I just feel like the Lord uh, wants this for us. So here we go. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now we look at this and we go, okay, well... Well, therefore, that's an interesting way to start a piece of scripture. It's an interesting way to start a chapter. It's just interesting. But we know that whenever we see the word therefore in scripture, that we got to do more than just look at it, that we got to see what it is therefore. So now flip back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, I want to start with 30 actually. So this is an interesting uh, piece of scripture. It's called like the, the faith hall of fame. You know, everybody looks at it going, oh, look at all these people, they're so amazing. And the beginning of chapter 11, it talks about this idea of faith. And it, it goes like this, verse one. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And now you've heard me say this over and over again. God uses people, God has people, and people are not the heroes in scripture. The heroes in scripture is God who uses flawed, broken people like you and I and does the miraculous through it, through them. And, and in this, we see this idea of faith is that is that we look to God and we see him and we go, okay, I'm gonna put my trust in him. I'm gonna put my hope in him. I'm gonna depend on him, right? And so it would be like this stool. Is that when I decide that I'm gonna put faith in God, I'm trusting him and I'm sitting in the stool. I'm sitting in his hands. I'm sitting my life in his provision, his guidance, his uh, direction, his correction, his love, his grace, his mercy, all those things. And so when I sit on this stool, especially this stool, this stool is an old shop stool from the high school. Well, I think that's my guess. Okay, because it's heavy. I mean, every time I pick it up, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned that I'm going to get a hernia right? It's heavy duty. And so when I sit this, sit on the stool, I just know it's going to hold my weight. I just know it's not going to fall out from under me. I just know that it's steady. And that's faith. Faith is, is, is what, again, remember what it said? 
Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So when I put my faith in God, I'm, I, I'm sure that he can hold me. I'm sure that, that he can handle this. And I'm certain that he's got it all. And so let's go back to that verse 30. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. And after the people had marched around them for seven days, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And... What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. I, I, I've been having a hard time with that name over and over again. I practiced it and I still mess it up. David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So that's the therefore Right? And so we look at this and it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So what is it there for? And it went back to 11 and said, hey, look at this. We're in this together. We've all faced different things and difficulties and seasons of life that are overwhelming and heartbreaking. And, and all these people that we're going through this with, we do it together, right? So together, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So we're surrounded by people that have been through it. Surrounded by people that have uh, overcome great things, trials and tribulation and pain and heartache. Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and I wonder, I wonder as we look at this piece of scripture, I wonder as I look at you this morning, 
And I see all the different things that you've experienced. How God has freed you from different things. Overcome addiction. How God has moved you into a deeper relationship with him. How he's, he's developed more and more in you. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Isn't it nice to know that we're not in this alone? Isn't it nice to know that we could do this together? Isn't it nice to know that, that not only we have witnesses, but we still have witnesses, right? You see this idea, this mentality, can I get a witness, right? This idea that God has pulled us through, that God is moving us ahead. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning and its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Wow. So when we look at this idea, it says, therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So what does that mean? What does that look like? May you know I ran uh, high school cross country and track and also ran college cross country and track, right? So when we look at college, my my college time, and then not only that, but uh, spent eight years coaching track, right, running events, and and coaching cross country as a head coach, and so I, I kind of know what I'm talking about when it comes to running, right, and so so that when when you get prepared running, you warm up, you stretch, you do all that stuff to get ready for this race, And then once you get into the race, you begin to take off all your outer clothing, right? Because you want to run uh, with the least amount of resistance, right? Without the most awkward look you can get. So you still have like shorts and a t-shirt, tank top, right? And you're going to race and and you take all the stuff off because you're now in a race, and you, you go through this course. And what's interesting about cross country is the only way that you know where to turn is, is you've seen the map, right? You've seen the map. You, you've run the, you've jogged the course ahead of time. And the third thing is, is, that, is that you move forward. I, I remember uh, in high school, I had a, a freshman record for this course, Right, and it was only a. It, we raced it once a year. It was a freshman record, right? And so I, this kid that was coming up, his name was Chris Waddle. Chris Waddle uh, ended up being on a distance medley team. He was the bronze medalist. His team was a bronze medalist in in the distance medley relay, right? So they're legit. He's a legit runner. And I'm going, oh man, he's going to destroy my time. 
right? And Chris gets out there and he runs this course and he presses through and he, he, I'm like, oh no, he's gonna break my record. He is gonna destroy my record. And you know what the good news is? Is that he went the wrong way. And, and, I, and I still kept that school record for that two mile course. And so what was, what was interesting about it is that when he was running that course, he didn't, he didn't look at the map. We practiced at that course, you know, at least once a week. It was our home course. And so we practiced at it once a week. We even jogged it beforehand. But there was something that Chris didn't pay attention to. There was a turn that Chris, it was actually the finish. Instead of turning on the finish, he went straight and then took a curve and went back. It was awesome. Uh, and so uh, Chris does this, this course exchange, but he didn't go through it. He, didn't, he, he had lost sight of where he was supposed to go. He, he lost sight of what was going on and what was happening. And so he went completely off course. And so the thing about running is the only, one of the only ways that you can continue to uh, see the next spot for you to move to is that you have to move to the next spot. Is that, is that if we're running in this race and we stop going, oh, what direction do I go? Or we're like Chris and go, oh, it's this direction. And we take our eyes and we go a different direction. Uh, you have to always move forward when you run. So when I see this, uh, when I see this piece of scripture and it says to take off the things that so easily entangle us, right? Or the sin that so easily entangles us, that we are, we are to move forward. And so the, the first question that we should ask in this is what is holding us back from the prize? What, what is it in the course that we're distracted by? What is it that, that keeps us from fixing, like the verse says, fixing our eyes on Jesus? What is it that's in your life? Scripture says, in order to prepare for this race, there's some stuff that's got to be removed. Maybe it's a thought process. Maybe it's an attitude. Uh, maybe it's control. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's addiction. What is it that so easily entangles you? What is it that you're, you're looking at more then you're looking at Jesus. And maybe you're uh, here this morning, you're just like, man, I, I don't know this Jesus stuff. 
I'm not, I'm not sure about this, Jesus. I'm not sure uh, about anything about him. Could I ask you a question? Are you sure that you're entangled? Are you sure that you're uh, directionless? Are you sure that you're hopeless? And I would, I would consider that, that perhaps what uh, would change everything for you is that you would change your guide. That you would stop being your own guide, stop setting your own direction, stop setting your own course, and that you would fix your eyes on Jesus. Now the scripture says to fix our eyes on Jesus the, the, the author, another version says, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. The word finisher uh, is, is more descriptive in my mind because we look at perfect and we look around and we go, oh, we're not perfect, right? Well, maybe Pastor Ryan, uh, maybe Dick, maybe Rick, maybe, uh, we're not perfect, maybe those guys. But we go, oh! but the, the, the author and finisher of our faith. And so what that means is that Jesus is the beginning and the end. What that means even greater is that he always has been, he always will be. What's even greater than that is that he's consistent. He never lets us down. He never backs down. He has always been. He is the only one that's consistent because we know the truth. The people let us down. The people drop the ball, but Jesus, he doesn't. Jesus is the only one that is forever faithful. And so if you're going through this life and Jesus isn't your guide, if you're going through this life and you're, the word of God is not your guide, would you consider releasing control? I mean, we look at this chapter of 11 and in every moment we see all these people that were commended because they have faith that God was greater than their situation, that God was greater than what they could do, that God was more powerful than whatever they could experience. All these people that were that, but also all these people that were completely flawed and broken. I mean, I just read one verse that talked about Rahab. She had faith? How could a prostitute have faith? Flawed, broken people. And, and we look at this piece of scripture and they, she brought in these spies. And so there was a moment of release. There was a moment of release. There was a moment where, where, where she released control and trusted that, that hiding these spies was the right thing, but even greater than that, that trusting that their God is the greatest one she could encounter. And so that moment when she hit him, she risked everything. And in that moment of risking everything, she was trusting God with everything. And I would suggest that victory is in the release. 
And this is what I mean by that. There's this moment that you and I will encounter where we decide where we're gonna be in control or God's gonna be in control. And at that moment where we decide that God's in control, we find victory. Why? Because we've released it. We see this with Gideon. Gideon's hiding hiding and, and threshing wheat. And all of a sudden, he, he, God says, you're a mighty warrior. I'm gonna put you up in front of everybody and all these people are gonna follow you and you're gonna lead. But he's Gideon. He's the least of his tribe, which is the least of all tribes. He's a 90-pound weakling. And God says, I choose you. And in this moment, he goes, okay, finally, after a long convincing, okay, I'm gonna turn this this way, and if this is this way, then I, I know it's you, God. Oh, oh, you did it. Okay, if I do this, I'm, uh, and then I know it's you, God. Okay, you, you did it. If I do this, and I, then I know it's you, God. Oh, you did it. Oh, you did it. And so he comes to this moment, and he's got this huge army which is mind-blowing because who would follow the least of the least into battle? What's his battle history? Hiding. How has he demonstrated his courage? He hid. How has he demonstrated his leadership? He hasn't. He's the least. How has he demonstrated how great he is? He hasn't. He's the weakest. And then this huge army comes. And God says, no, 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 too many. So what does he do? He releases. And he's, again, God says, no, no, too many. What does he do? He releases. Ah, that's just right. You go into battle with 300. What does he do? He releases. I can't fight this battle. I can't even lead these people. I can't even fight this direction. But he releases. You see, victory is in the release. And that release is saying to God and saying to yourself, that I may not understand what I'm facing. I may not understand what I'm going through. I, I'm, I may have tried everything to break this addiction. I've done everything. I've done hypnotism. I've done all these things to break this addiction. But victory is in the release. So how do I get that release? You know what's amazing about scripture? It doesn't just say, okay, here's the deal. Throw off everything that entangles you. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. And just go about your day. And run the race. Good. Persevere. When you feel like giving up, don't give up. When you feel like let backing down, don't back down. When you, when you want to give your best, oh, try. Give your best. Give it your all. Control the situation. Endure. Face the difficulty. Yes, all these are correct. All these are correct. I'm supposed to endure. I'm supposed to face the situation. I'm supposed to fight on. But you know what? 
What is greater than those is Jesus. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, when I was uh, pastoring at, an, at another place, at a, I was a youth pastor, I would oftentimes, because the, the church had a minivan, and so I would oftentimes just walk down to the church, and my pastor, he says, Sean, uh, make sure that you drive that minivan, because we don't want to just sit out there, because, you know, uh, engines need to be warmed up, things need to be driven, you know, and we don't want it to de- deteriorate and break down and all these other things, right? And so, so I said, okay, pastor, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll drive this. So I walked down uh, from work or from the house to work that day, most days. And then I would, what I would do is I would get in the church minivan and I'd drive it a, a couple blocks up to my house, and, and then I would go and have lunch with my, my, my girl. Uh, and we, we'd sit down, we eat lunch, and, and then I head back to work, right? And, uh, and so, so, as I did for many days, uh, there's this one day. And so our driveway was a little bit steep, right? And so you got to punch the gas just a little bit. Right? You got to just punch it just a little bit. And so here I am in the, whose minivan was it? Oh, good. You're listening. Thank you so much. It was the church's minivan. And so I'm driving up and, and I'm like, I noticed the neighbor. Right? And so I'm looking over at the neighbor. And, and I push on the gas and I slam the church minivan into my minivan. Right? So you think, okay, well, I've got insurance, which I do, you know, faithful to pay my insurance. And what's insurance for? We find this out really well with the the sanctuary. Insurance is to cover accidents that you have. That's why you have insurance, right? And so I ran the church minivan into my minivan. So did you know who's at fault? The church. Yes. Oh, Nellie. So I, I crashed it in and I'm like, oh no, what would you do in this situation? You figure out, oh, I wrecked the church minivan. I want to go to my pastor with solutions, not problems, because that's what I do, right? I bring them solutions. And so I call my insurance company and I'm like walking through this process and they go, no, 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 you don't understand. This is not your vehicle. I said, I know it's not my vehicle. Well, your insurance covers your vehicle. What? It doesn't cover me? No, 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 no. That's why the church has insurance, is to cover you. When you drive the church's vehicle, I'm like, no comprende inglés. Uh, so, so, con permiso. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I went through this process. And, and uh, so, long story short, I got back in the church's minivan, uh, and kind of puts down 
the hill because it was, it was an easy drive to down the hill. And I pulled it in the parking thing and I sat there and I'm like, how do I tell my boss that I wrecked the church minivan, which it was totaled. Uh, yay! Uh, and into my minivan and the church is responsible for both vehicles. <laughs> and so I walk up and I go, Pastor, I have something to tell you. I wrecked the church minivan. He goes, because he's gracious, he goes, are you okay? I said, yes, thank you. I ran it into my minivan. He goes, what? I need a moment. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I still had a job, amazing so, right? Uh, and, but, but this moment, this story is all caused by one thing. Do you know what the thing was? As I took my eyes off of where I was going. See, see, life is the same way. It's that when we walk in this, we're to keep our eyes on the prize, the hero. And we see over and over again that we're not the hero. That God's the hero. And this piece of scripture says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I may not be there now, but he's continuing to work stuff in me. I, I may not be perfect, but he is. And so, so what's my responsibility in this? What's my calling in this? It's to fix my eyes on Jesus, to, to, to examine my heart and my life. Is there any, any wicked way in me? Is there anything that's entangled me? Is there anything, any sin that is, is causing me to not keep my eyes on Jesus? Because Jesus is always the prize. And so we're to strip off anything anything and we're to release everything because victory is in the release and now you know that I'm a visual person so David uh, so what what that pictures is say say I'm going to wrap something on David I'm going to wrap uh, sin on him like he's sin right Whoa. Uh, and, and so, so oftentimes our tendency is to go like this. Here, give me your hand. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He can handle it. He's bigger than this. I'm going to fix it on him. Right? But, but all the while, I'm going to hold off to all those things that entangle me. Instead of, instead of preparing for what he has for me. Instead of making my heart ready for what he has for me. Instead of choosing him, I continue to long for this. And the, the battle is in this. is that I'm to fix my eyes on Jesus. 
And so, so what that means, that I'm supposed to take my eyes off of everything else. And I'm to release and release to him. And he, here's what I know about him. I know he's faithful. He's always faithful. We know, we know he's near. He's always near. You know he's strong. He's always strong. You know he's good. He's always good. And what's so amazing is that, is that when I fix my eyes on Jesus, what he does is greater than what I can do. So we go back and we think about all those people who are just really like us. But what did they believe? That Jesus was bigger than what they're facing, that God was bigger than what they're in, engaging in. And so what he does is he, when I, now you're Jesus, which is really, when I fix my eyes on him, what happens is that he, he strips away the sin that so easily entangles. And so what happens is that I'm able to run the race. But it always begins with this release, this decision, this moment of trust. Go sit down, David. Thank you. This decision, this moment of trust. I've experienced that a number of times. Uh, not only with Jesus, but just in life. I came from a pretty, like, prestigious high school. Most of the runners that I ran with at high school were uh, ranked in the nation. Really legitimate high school. And then I go to this small college and I'm taking orders from this new coach, and he does stuff differently. And so I'm rolling my eyes, and I'm second-guessing, and I'm discussing, right? And so, so coach, uh, my college coach, Coach Taylor, he would, he would bring me into his office, and he would sit me down, and he'd say, Sean, you better stop. This happened at least once a week, maybe more. And he correct me in different areas, right? And this is my freshman year of college. And so I'm a freshman in college. I uh, you know, competed not only in, in state championships, but also national championships. So, I, so I'm like, yeah, I'm all this in a bag of chips, right? And here I come in and my coach is yelling at me. He's doing everything differently. Doesn't he know that my coach... From high school was the best coach ever. Besides, he had an Irish accent, which makes him even better, right? Uh, he was a golden glove boxer and everything. And I listened to all these things of how, how legitimate this guy was. And, and so then I sit down in this office in cross-country season, and he'd tell me, Sean, stop rolling your eyes. Sean, Stop arguing with me. Sean, stop second-guessing me. Sean, just trust me. Sean, I know what I'm doing. Sean, boo, 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 all these Sean's, right? 
And so if you're anything like me, you know that that takes at least a year process to get it through your head, right? So I'm at the end of my season. Uh, I'm running track. Uh, I'm running the 400 meters. And I'm at the end of my season. It's like I've, I've got conference championships, right? And then after conference is nationals. So I'm going, okay, conference championship. And so that should put a little bit of a spook in you, like I'm nervous. And, and so, so my coach, Coach Taylor, would come up to me, talk to me about it. And there was a moment of release. I'm going to trust you. In that one race, my time decreased significantly. I, I made it past conference. I was conference champions and made it to nationals. That one race. It was all in the release. Because I trusted, finally, that he knew what was best. I trusted, finally, that he knew his stuff even though I felt like it was different. I trusted finally that he could handle it. And so I released. And God was gracious enough to let this pig-headed, fat-headed kid see amazing amount of progress in one race. And see, our walk with God is no different. Victory is in the release. So what is it that you're holding on to? What is it that, that you're grabbing hold of? What is it that you're refusing to release? Can I make a suggestion that God is, is big enough that he could handle it? Oh, it's too little. Yeah, but he's big enough to handle even the little details. Bible says that he cares even about the little things. In fact, it says to present all, all, everything to him through prayer and supplication. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you'll receive that. Everything. Little, big, great, small, medium, everything. So what is it that you're holding on to? Is it unforgiveness? Is there somebody that you know that they're a jerk? And they did something awful. And you know that God says to forgive. And you don't want to forgive. Because then, then I'm letting them off. But the truth is, when you forgive, you're releasing it. And victory is in the release. Perhaps there's an addiction that you're facing. Perhaps there's something that you really, really desire. And you want that you need to let go of.
Because victory is in the release. Where are you at? What is it? Maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's this deep sin that is holding on to you that you simply just need to confess. Victory is in the release. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you take a moment just to bow your head, just between you and God? Would you join me in asking God to examine your heart? And what I mean by that is taking a moment to be honest to God. What is it that you're holding on to? Is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Is it rage? Is it anger? Is it an addiction? Is it hurt? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it your future? What is it? If it's true that God is greater than whatever you face, if it's true that God is good, if it's true that God is loving and kind, if it's true that God is a healer, if it's true that God is a forgiver. If it's true that God is all-powerful, if it's true that God is all-knowing, if it's true that God is 100% present, if it's true that God is all grace and all truth, if it's true that God loves you more than you could imagine, if it's true that he cares for you deeply, then the truth is he's worthy of the release. He's worthy of your trust. So you're here this morning and there's something you need to let go of. You say, know it's holding on to me may I please have the privilege of praying with you may I please walk through this process with you as you release as you trust God in this moment if you like let me pray with you. Would you just raise your hand? I'm holding on to something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as you raise your hand, just say, God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm trusting you. I'm releasing it to you.
God, victory is in the release. You are my victory. You are my prize. You're my hero. Lord Jesus, for every person that raised their hand and is raising their hand, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would break uh, addictions. Lord Jesus, that you would bring freedom, because you do that. Lord Jesus, that you bring healing. Lord Jesus, that you would provide hope. Lord Jesus, that you would do exactly what you say you would do, that you would be exactly who you say you are in their moment and what they're facing. God, I thank you so much for this moment. I thank you that you are a healer. We desperately need you. Lord Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. You are the beginning and the end. We fix our eyes on you knowing that you're not done with us yet and you've got more to do. And so we trust you in that process. We trust you in this process moment. And Lord Jesus, as we walk away, as we go together, Lord, thank you for the victory that people have walked around us. Lord Jesus, we desire to walk in that same victory. So we, Lord, fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. We desperately need you. only you will do. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Thank you guys for tuning in to another Mountain View podcast. We hope you enjoyed that. If you guys have any questions, concerns, uh, if you want to let us know that that sermon or any of our sermons or podcasts have touched your heart or your soul or is ministering to you, please feel free to reach out to us at www.mymountainview.church. We hope to hear from you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, keep tuning in.